What's up, my brothers and sisters? In the turmoil of what's going on in the world, what the mainstream news likes to exaggerate, I wish to bring you insight. I wish to provide a perspective that can benefit you somehow that stretches your awareness of the world just a little bit more. And I believe I could do that with coffee. Now, let me quickly shout out and recognize those that have supported this film project with likes and shares and subscriptions through social medias. But for those of you tuning in, my team and I have been documenting a world right under our freaking nose. It's beautiful, it's diverse, and it's always evolving. So, we have been in production for about a year now to tell a story about coffee, running along the supply chain, seeing how the industry works to emphasize that our purchase has a huge rippling effect to so many... Yeah, businesses, but more than that, to so many people. So, to see what I'm talking about, check out our website, snakebitemedia.productions, or Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Snakebite Media. That's a bite with a B Y T E. And check it out. To bring you up to date, so the first of many along this journey, in this episode, we speak to a charming man known as Damien Burgess, a coffee maverick that has been in the scene for over 11 years now. He takes us on his journey of traveling the world. This is how he started out, and then he soon finds himself on the cusp of where the coffee world is bestowed with training certifications that had helped set the foundation of this specialty market. It is really important. But as Damien grows to be a seasoned coffee professional parallel as the industry evolves, he expounds on the culture of coffee, preconceived notions on roasting, the importance of Q-grading, and if you want to have hands-on experience yourself, learning about coffee on the plantations, in the farms, plucking the little coffee cherries amongst the culture itself and meeting so many people around the world. He talks about Through Coffee Guys. It's an organization where you could be a part of this experience of learning the beauty of coffee, the importance of coffee, and getting actually certified to work with coffee in a professional, special, powerful way to make impact with meaning. And well, you can hear this podcast. It'll tell you all about it. Check it out. All right, Damien, how have you been? Good. Oh, good, there good, you go. Good. You blurred the screen. Yeah. <laughs> like I've got too. Focus straight on you. <laughs> this is just what you want. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that makes me happy. Um, so, yeah, this, this podcast is about uh, just to get your perspective. Along with Snakebite, we've been waist deep in this coffee world doing this documentary because when we first went to Honduras and got to acquaint you, we never knew how big this coffee world was. So yeah, you guys started to discover something you didn't, you knew nothing about from the, from the straight, from the go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we were, well, uh, we, we, we thought we loved coffee, you know, we loved coffee just like anybody else that needs their fix to fuel their work day. But, um, it's a whole new world when you actually go to the plantations and even more than that, we never knew about these huge conventions that were just a, a beacon of, cultural coffee fanatics working together oh yeah and it's it's those fanatics have been getting more and more bigger and bigger and better and better over the last few years there's been so much happening you've seen a lot of change yeah i got my fix right now i had to go to press this is what took me uh, 40 minutes to an hour to 
<laughs> I, said, I, was, I was in a company doing tests all day long, so I think I've had about 30 coffees, so I'm, I'm fine yeah. for now. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, just to just to back it up, uh, I want to kind of get your background, how uh, like where you came from, how you got into the coffee scene to where you're at today, loving your job because you, you travel a lot and you're doing yep. these classes, you're happy. But let's rewind it back to what, what really first made you the person you are today. Okay, so I'm a New Zealander. So I'm born in New Zealand, raised in New Zealand, which is a fantastic country, loved it. But when I was 19, I decided to do what a lot of New Zealanders want to do and put on a backpack, said goodbye to mum and dad, promised I'd be back in a year or maybe two and started to travel the world with a couple of friends. Fast forward almost 30 years later, I haven't gone home yet. <laughs> well, okay. I've been home a few times, obviously, and go home as much as can, but I've, yeah. I've ended up, I'm now based in Italy, and I've been living in Italy for 20 years now, um, and it's Italy for no particular reason. It could have been France, Germany, Sweden, America, yeah. whatever, but I just ended up here because when I got here, that's where the money ran out, so I had to find a job, and that <laughs> led to one thing and the other and so I find I'm still here but I'd always worked like while traveling it was easy to work in the hospitality industry so I'd always worked in uh, clubs restaurants bars uh, coffee shops different places around the world um, and that led me to actually open up a place in a ski resort so for about 10 years I had a, a bar and a ski resort um, which ironically enough when I got into the place it had this beautiful original uh, Fima E61 in there which I threw away because I didn't want to do coffee. <laughs> really? Yeah, the place was, it was all about, it was beer and cocktails. It was live music. It was a night bar. So how, how, uh, how old were you at that time? Uh, oh, 20, what am I, 20, 25? 25, okay, all right. Yeah, more or less. Um, so the idea of making cappuccinos at midnight, I didn't like that. So we got rid of the espresso machine. No, it was more cocktails and just fun, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. Sounds a problem. Um, but then I got into the coffee. Um, well, everyone says, or you're born into it or you get into it by accident. So I was the classic by accident. Uh, I got to the point where I'd had this uh, place in the mountains for a few years, um, but my first daughter was born. So I was fine. I was up in the mountains during the season, uh, coming home at five o'clock in the morning after closing up and then having to get up at seven o'clock in the morning to take it a daughter to kindergarten so the lifestyle wasn't the best lifestyle <laughs> we live in anymore and at the time there was this company in italy the grossing company um and they were looking for someone who could take over their actually not so much take over start their training um program so they were looking for someone who had a lot of experience in the hospitality industry importantly enough, could speak English and travel for them. So as much as I knew about coffee, as much as any Italian, I soon realized I knew nothing. So I worked um, since, oh gosh, since 2008, I started working in the world of coffee. And the idea of that was to basically teaching all of their customers, so from the baristas to distributors, to doing different events, to doing different shows around the world for them. So for me, it was an amazing opportunity to one, learn about coffee, but also learn about it at a very international perspective. So I came as a New Zealander teaching Italians about coffee when I was learning as I was going. Um, so that basically means that I was very much focused on the Italian market. So yeah. knowing how the Italian coffee culture works in Italy today, but also watching over the years as the coffee culture grew 
internationally as well because I'd often find myself in Singapore, Dubai, America, different places. So it was interesting to watch how different countries were changing over the years with the coffee cultures. And so when you changed so, jobs, um, was that like a huge leap when you, you finally found out like you knew coffee just like any other Italian? There was a lot of espressos. Was that leap of uh, – was it eye-opening of this coffee world? It was, but it was also at a time when um, SCAR was – the Special Coffee Association was really starting to build up, where the education was really only just starting. Um, in fact, when we started doing courses, a coffee course at the time was, this is how you make an espresso with no, no facts or no um, specifications or parameters involved. And this is how you put whipped cream on top of a cappuccino and chocolate sauce. And uh-huh. like the course was about making coffee drinks, which mm-hmm. at the time, which were a lot different as well. But um, it was a time when education was starting to become more important. Like mm-hmm. The very first courses I did, the Italians would come along and say, I know about the coffee. I can teach you. I've been doing coffee for 30 years. I, I show you how to make a coffee. But it was a time when, like, as I say, all these courses were coming about. So it was a time when barista skills was a thing. It was a time when ASTs were just beginning. Um, in fact, I went and became in the first uh, recruitment of ASTs in Italy. So when I did it, we were the first, there was about 10 of us, and we were the first ones at the time to become authorized SCAR trainers. Authorized what trainers? Authorized SCAR, authorized specialty coffee association trainers. Okay. So we're the first ones at the That's time. Like ASTs, right? Yeah, yeah, AST. So at the time, uh, it was a very different program. Even the training itself was, I think the, the Specialty Coffee Association, they themselves were learning what training could be. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time because it was at the beginning. So you, you said to me it was an eye-opener, and it was, but at the, very, at the same time, I was in the very beginning. So we we're all opening our eyes at the same time, I suppose. Yeah. It seems like you were there at yeah the right time, just like he said. Yeah. But in fact, Patrick, Patrick O'Malley and I were in the the same AST course at the same time. That's where we met. Yeah, and that's how you guys started talking about this through Coffee Guys, or is that still like later down the line of? Oh, that's down the line. That's okay. way down the line. But and that, I definitely want to get in, I definitely want to get into that, but but not quite yet. But okay. I kind of want to rewind back a little bit uh, when you were 19 and you wanted to just put it back back on and just travel the world. Yep. Did you have an idea what you wanted to do when you were done traveling later? or One day at a time. The first thing was to put a backpack and get out there. I didn't even think about what's going to happen later just on. Free spirit, right. Just you take in whatever comes at you. Yep. I was working to save the money to leave. I was working in a bank in New Zealand. A, like a bank teller. I was working in a bank. I was working in a pizza, doing pizza deliveries. And I was working at a, like a fish and chip shop. It was a good kiwi fish and chip. Um, so I know for me, it was just a, it was saving money to be able to travel the world. The idea was to live somewhere in Europe and learn a language. Um, but I didn't have an idea of what's going to happen later on. No. And coffee definitely wasn't up under the ideas. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's actually another thing I noticed about you. So you speak uh, English, you speak Spanish, you speak Italian. Is there any other languages that I missed? Uh, a little bit of Swedish. A little bit of Swedish. Because when I first came to Italy, um, I was working in a summer resort where there's a lot of Swedish tourists. So I was together with a lot of Swedish people. Um, and after the first two years in Italy, I actually spoke better Swedish than Italian. Okay. I, to say I speak Swedish, no. When I arrived in Italy, um, I knew how to say ciao or no do I train. Nothing whatsoever. Okay. Um, but that was 
I think at the time in New Zealand, you didn't really hear that many languages. There'd be tourists. Um, and even at school, I could have learned French and German, but it seemed pointless. When am I going to use that? Um, <laughs> but I don't know, languages are fascinating. I think that's, and wherever you go, you should always learn how to say hello, thank you. Yeah, yeah, the basics. I totally agree with you on that. You know, language is quite wonderful and it definitely puts you in a different perspective. Uh, but no, yeah, that's cool. So just like anybody else, the coffee life found you. Yeah. seemed to stumble upon it. Uh, and in transition, when you, you had a daughter, so you had to kind of make a change and this opportunity to, uh, uh, what was the company again? Uh, Cafe Vergnano. Um, yeah, no, that was it was a great company to work with because there was so much happening, so much opportunity. It was an opportunity to to learn, to experience, um, and to travel the world. I mean, with them, I've seen places I never would have had an opportunity to go to without them. Okay. Um, and, I mean, like you said before, I'm, I'm always traveling, and, and that's been a great thing and there's times of course like anyone you say traveling's great but sometimes you just want to be home as well but the traveling yeah. has always been a big bonus i suppose did the universe have any subtle hits of like oh no hey you're gonna be needing to go to coffee and pay attention to how you make espressos or not none whatsoever no? the only my only real coffee experience i remember um being in the ski resort and show, having to show someone how to make a cappuccino and if I was to ever look back on what I showed them now, I'd probably be horrified. I, <laughs> even when I went to do the uh, interview at the at the Cafe Vergnano, I was with the owner, Franco Vergnano, and I had to do a one of them. I had to make an espresso, and when I even went to use the machine, I had to have the group handle in my hand and couldn't work out how to put it in the machine properly. So the owner watched <laughs> me fluff around with this espresso machine, um, and they wanted to see how I was at teaching, doing a presentation. So they asked me to organize a five, 10 minute presentation for them, something to do with coffee, which was at the time a complete panic because as I said, I knew coffee like any Italian, which was not very much. So I did a uh, Irish coffee. I looked at doing a cocktail. So I did it that way and presented the whole story of where an Irish coffee came from and how it was born and in Foynes and Ireland and, and did an Irish coffee for them because at least the word of cocktails I was probably more familiar with. Uh-huh. Okay. That makes sense. That's a good save. It was a good save. Okay. So uh, you have a new world ahead of you uh, working for this company. Did you think your life would turn out the way it did? Um, No, because it was a job. I didn't expect that it would become so life-changing and passionate, I suppose. I didn't, I didn't expect that to be something that really would become what I would be doing forever. Um, it, for me, it was more opportunity to be traveling and teaching, as I said. But I didn't realize there was going to be so much to learn. I didn't realize it would be taking me down a path where um, there'd be continual growth. Um, and also doing like three coffee guys now, traveling to plantations and having an interaction with so many people from around the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many people around the world. You just can't get enough of this world, can't you? That's great. <laughs> so how many, how many conventions have you been to? Oh, God, yeah, probably so many. Um, probably so many, but I think a lot of the time, the first ones are always, always exciting. You're in this atmosphere with so many people, uh, asking you questions. Everyone's interested in the same things. And then you remember your first while, the first one, I think yeah. it was in Cisco, actually. It was in San Francisco. I'd been at work for one month and I got sent to San Francisco at the fancy food show. So for me, it was great. One, I was going to a place I'd never been to before and involved in this yeah. And involved in this dynamic world where you're talking to people who are interested in something. We're all interested in the same sort of thing. So it was exciting. 
at the time, I suppose I was more just being a barista. So I was just making coffee for people, espresso, mm. because at the time, well, even now, obviously the Italian uh, blends are based on espresso more than anything. So I was just making espresso for people as a barista. It was, but it was exciting. It was dynamic. It was mm-hmm. fun. Um, well, yeah, and since then, I suppose I've done them in Singapore, Dubai, Berlin, Amsterdam, uh, New York, Chicago, um, Washington. Da, 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 da. Once you've been to one, you've been to all of them, right? Oh, to a certain point, you know, there's you always meet the same people, but that's the fun side. You go there and you you meet people you know and you met them before, so there's always the the great idea of meeting up with friends because it really is a, a coffee community of people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as much as you're always doing the same thing, you're always there to see what's new as well. So you're watching things change. You're watching new trends coming along. You're trying to learn as much as you're trying to teach. So you always want to walk around. You want to see what other companies are doing. You want to see what innovation is coming in. So no, they're always different. And you sort of look for that change and opportunity each time. Okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked that because, you know, when me, Alex and James went to the first SEA convention in Boston, that yeah. that opened up our eyes and other than being in honduras that was really uh, a good perspective of seeing how these conventions are like a, a beacon of the industry oh you yeah know, there's importers there's exporters there's new machines there's new brands the new brands that get the same coffee from other brands <laughs> and the same plantation and it's just it's actually pretty exciting so when you first went to yours you've seen it develop over time since you are a seasoned coffee professional and you've been going to these conventions uh for x amount of years now yeah have you seen uh, the specialty coffee market at its peak right now or do you still see it on the rise oh no it's on it's still on the rise but it's it's very different in different countries go to america of course you know, it's it's big, it's huge, uh, and it's a different, different, definitely a crowd puller. Other countries, it's only just in the very beginning. But you often see, like traveling different countries, like I was saying, you see they're at different points on this on the trend. So we're in one country, oh, it's full scale, it's it's in fourth gear. And in other countries, it's only just becoming a lot, a bit of a um, a key word that people are talking about. If you, I was in Dubai last week, and I'll be back next week as well, and I had to do a presentation for about. 20, 30 people. And the idea was we got four or five hours together. So I said to them, what do you guys want to learn? Um, and in Dubai right now, especially coffee is, is definitely booming. It's it's trendy. It's People are asking about it. Um, and I said to them, what do you want to learn? And the first person says, latte art. Okay, we're not doing that. In four hours and 30 people, <laughs> I'm not even going to do that. Latte art. Latte art. It's always that. But they're in Dubai, a lot of the people who work there. And the, That's a huge competition. <laughs> they're all Philippines, most of them, um, at least from, and they're all better than I'll ever be. I mean, they're passionate about it and they love it. So yeah. the last thing I want to do was try and teach one of those guys latte art because you're going to look back. Apart from that, um, and I walked around, went around the room, and a lot of them are saying, you know, we want to know about specialty coffee because it's big right now in Dubai, like there's a lot of places, but it's a growing thing. It's very trendy. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting that really they didn't know what it was. Everyone had their own idea of what it is, and it's definitely something which is growing, like you said, and it's a big trend and it's on the rise. With confusion, in a market like that, it's it's really about the trendy things, but there wasn't much appreciation for what it does mean. Uh-huh. Uh, and you go to other countries where there's a good understanding at the level of baristas, but the customers as well. Uh, and often that's countries where you wouldn't expect it. Um, Poland always always impresses me. You go there and you find the level of 
But ESIS is high, the level of understanding is high, and the level also from the clients themselves. So when they're asking for a, uh, a natural Kenya, they know what that means. Um, and you talk to other people in other countries, and it just seems to be these like, wonderful, trend, trendy, fancy words. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it's different in different countries, that's for sure. Uh, but well, also, going back maybe 10 years, I remember people saying, oh, don't worry about it, it's just a trend that's going to pass, it's going to fade away really quickly. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't. It's been on the rise. And I think specialty coffee is more of it's more than just the coffee itself. You know, like one of these one of these guys in Dubai said to me as an answer to what specialty coffee, ah, it's the coffee shops with hipsters. It's the coffee shops where it's very cool. So a lot of the time the coffee itself is more seen to be about the environment around it. These are guys who are aspiring baristas and want to learn how to do oh, really? corns in their cappuccinos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but okay. there's, like I say, I've, and I had probably about 10 different answers from 10 different people on what is specialty coffee. And I, I came back thinking, next time I'm going to do this, I'm going to write the answers down. Because, like, for example, if I, and I've had, I've asked people before, what's specialty coffee? And their answer is, uh, so these drinks with, you know, whipped cream and, and <laughs> bubbles on top. So it's a coffee drink which is special because it's got hot chocolate and, and whipped cream and it's got sparkles and sprinkles and different colours in it. That's, That's special. fascinating. Wow. It's special. <laughs> oh no, it's the uh, it's the coffees that are going to be in competitions, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's growing. There's, I think, a lot of it's been about teaching the people. A lot of it now is about sustainability as well. So especially coffee should be about helping the people in plantation um, and that's definitely a key word right now is sustainability you know people are asking what does that mean um, and that's another topic which is going to grow but it should be growing in line with specialty coffee you know mm-hmm. specialty coffee one of the ideas is it's to help the, the farmers to help the plantations to give them a higher income so if they're able to grow specialty coffee um, in sense that it's a high quality coffee it's reaching um, you know the Q graders are graded above 80 points then that's helping the farmers to sell at a better price. So I think one of the key values of specialty coffee is it really should be there to, to help the farmers, to help the quality of coffee grow, because it inspires them to put more effort into learning more about how they can make coffee better. Because the one things we'll look at is the fact that a lot of the time these farmers are not making money or they're making so little that they're barely living. So specialty coffee is there to, to help them to grow a better product um, and then to help them in turn to earn more money to feed the family. I'm glad you said that because I was just going to ask you, uh, I'm glad that you're asking so many others what is specialty coffee to them. I was going to ask you that right now, but you already gave me your answer. People always, you know, one of the questions people ask is, so what's your favorite coffee? And I don't have one because coffee is something which, it's about trying different things and and exploring and and finding new flavors and just say, oh, my favorite coffee is a Panama Geisha, just to go with a real icon. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I want to try things that are different all the time. And that doesn't mean experimental fermentation. That just means different coffees um, yeah. coming from different places, coming from different farmers. Um, and because coffee is a changing product, it's going to be different every year anyway. Uh-huh. So my favorite coffee is the one that I'm using at the moment, which will be different to next week. That's awesome. That's great. This is good stuff. I want to add, I want to really pick your brain because you're on a really good tangent right now, just on this the specialty market, specialty coffee in general. It's a whole new world, and I, I want to kind of keep that freshness of it. And that's what Snakebite's trying to do is kind of captivate 
yeah. the more meaningful side of coffee because over here in the states it's a commodity it's a drink it's a beverage it's a it's a product and um i got to thank patrick for this when he uh introduced us to you guys and how this industry works and uh it's much more than a business it's much more than uh, a product well our main mission is as snake bite with this documentary is to show consumers that what you're doing right now what you're purchasing is affecting people on the other side of the world one of the reasons why i love to uh you know learn more about globalization trends come and go but this technology right now is really interconnecting us and really helping us get more insight into what's happening around the world and it's crazy how there's actually thing that there's fake news and so really pushing <laughs> the truth out there is going to be a, a little bit of a, a battle but so that's what we're trying to do with you know with with coffee there's a big story to tell and i think you guys stumbled on the story coffee is something which has been around for you know hundreds and hundreds of years and it's, it's had a story from a history from ethiopia to now and it's an ever-changing history um there's a lot of great books you can read and and see how that's changed throughout the ages and and through the oh, comments yeah. and it's ever-changing you know we've seen a lot of change in the last five years 10 years 15 years and it's been constant um, yeah, especially coffee is a key word right now, but it's going to be changing forever and ever. We're going to see more and more change, I think. Yeah. That's exciting. But, it, and as you said, there's so much, there's so many people involved in it. Like if you had asked me, what does, what does coffee mean to me? What does specialty coffee mean to me? I think my answer would be people because you said it, there's so many people involved in that chain. And when you go to the plantations, you learn a lot about the coffee and everyone gets excited about seeing the deep pulping and fermentation. But um, on our last trip in Ethiopia, when we were there, the thing, the aspect that I think really hit people the most was the people, the people who came along with us, I should say. The voyagers, the coffee lovers that came along, what what really hit them the most was the people they saw, the people involved in the, in the plantations, the people involved in the harvesting, these ladies singing as they were continuously working under the rain and all sorts. And you realize that coffee's more than just the coffee it's the people behind it man are you writing a book do you write poetry about this stuff this is uh it <laughs> <worded> very well <laughs> um no no i've never done that but i one of the things i like to start <laughs> to do now is maybe you know start to jot things down and like i said even those little things that you the stories you hear and the comparison of different countries different people would be great to put together somehow and i've, I've got this unique position of being a the only Italian in Italy who sort of considered a, a coffee expert and involved in this whole world. Um, but it gives me a unique outlook on the Italian coffee culture as well, because I really see it from an internal and external point of view. Yeah. And I think that's something to, to sort of talk about, because the Italian coffee culture um, can be seen in a bad light, um, in a good light, in, in so many different ways. But there's a yeah, and the, actually, I'll say that again, because there's not one Italian coffee culture, there's many. As you travel around Italy, you'll find that it's completely different from north to south, from east to west. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything which can be considered an Italian espresso. Okay. Um, in fact, one thing which gripes me, one thing which annoys me is when you see that chart of the how coffee's roasted, and you sort of get to the end of it, and it's called, or it's called an Italian roast, is that really black, shiny black burnt <laughs> one? And it's like just, and well, if, actually, if you look at another one, it'll say French roast is there. They're all sort of inverted. You never know which is the uh, right yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But there's no such thing as the Italians roast in one way. Um, as you can say the same about America or anywhere you like. There's uh -huh. not roast in one way. Every individual has their own ideas and aspirations, objectives of a roast. So to say a country roast like that is disappointing. 
Um, I think anyone who roasts coffee would, would say the same thing. So that's one thing which has always sort of bothered me when you have uh, when people talk about, oh, an Italian roast is really dark. No, <laughs> you've got the best roasters. You know, Gardelli was one of the, was voted one of the best, won the roasting championship. Um, and if he was, if you tried and tell him he's roasting dark, he wouldn't be very impressed at all. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because traveling to different countries and seeing how uh, the people generally like their coffee. I can oh, yeah. tell you, it was so hard to find just a regular black drip coffee in, in Italy. Now, you say <laughs> regular black drip coffee because for you, regular coffee is drip coffee. Yes, exactly. Uh, but over but, in Italy, it's, it's espresso shots. That regular yeah. coffee in Ethiopia was done on the on the Jabina. So everyone's idea of regular coffee is just cultural-based. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Which makes it even more beautiful, though. Uh, it makes culture more beautiful, too, because – there's no global standard way. Every culture has their their method. And of course, we couldn't be rude, say, no, I don't want an espresso. I want a regular black drip coffee. Uh, we're I don't so want an espresso. I'd like a so filter coffee. So yeah. But you're probably fine. I mean, it depends where you are. But if you went into a regular Italian bar, as you like, they wouldn't know what it is. In fact, Starbucks have, are at the moment helping the Italian coffee culture. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's there huge Starbucks in uh, no, or no, just they were unheard of until recently, and, and like, obviously they're just they've just sort of uh, come into the country uh, last year or maybe a year and a half ago, and they opened a roastery in Milano, which was fantastic because all of a sudden the Italians who are convinced that we know coffee, we're Italians, went into a roastery by Starbucks and went wow. You know, what's this? What's that? You know, they had people tell, tell them about single origins. They had someone showing them a vacuum siphon and, and aero presses and French presses and filter coffee. So it's opened up the, the blinders on saying there's more to coffee than just espresso. Mm-hmm. So going to, if you go to an Italian coffee shop, they'll ask for a cafe, which means a coffee. So, and everyone knows that means an espresso, but it's literally like, I don't know, it's, it's walking into a butcher's and saying, can I have some meat? Yeah. It's just so vague as <laughs> a word. Um, but then for them, like regular coffee for is espresso. So to see that all of a sudden there's more to coffee than just espresso is is helping the specialty coffee market in Italy. It's helping coffee shops to offer more. So all of a sudden you might go into a regular coffee bar and find they've actually got a, a French press or an AeroPress or they've got something more going on. Yeah. And that would never have happened Two years ago. Change doesn't come easy over here. No, it, it definitely does not. But that's that's what's wonderful about coffee, other than the people. Coffee is like a medium of exchanging different customs of different yeah. methods to serve it. And yeah. I, I just love when cultures do that. Uh, I'll be in next week. I've got to go to Dubai um, with this coffee company, Vignano. They're trying to do something which is a little unique as well. So I'm going to be in one of the one of the flash hotels in Abu Dhabi. Um, and they're offering a coffee experience. So the idea is rather than sitting down saying, I have a coffee, they're going to be given a sort of a choice. So would you like a Colombia? Would you like a blend? Would you like A, B, C? Um, so they'll be offered a different type of coffee and then from there offered a different type of extraction. So they'll be asked, would you like it as a Chemex? Would you like it as a V60? Would you like it as a vacuum siphon, a mocha, um, an Ibrik? So in Turkish style, because you've got such an international amount of people standing in these hotels that they all have a different idea of what coffee is and what coffee means. So they should be given a choice. Um, 
and of course that means a lot in terms of training uh, in yeah. terms of training the staff have to know what that all means uh-huh. but there's no that's no different from wine you know if someone walks into a whether it's a restaurant a five star or anything you don't ask for a glass of wine and the the, the waiter says would like red or white they can pull out a wine list and give you a choice of different types and they'll explain uh-huh. you know this is a little dry this is a little fruity would you like something deep or yeah. And so why shouldn't coffee be the same? Why shouldn't you go and have a choice everywhere? And I, it's not a new idea because that's really, I suppose, what a lot of you know coffee shops and specialties about. It gives yeah. you a, a menu and a choice. But that idea is becoming more common, I suppose. No, yeah, definitely. And uh, what you said about Dubai, I think uh, offering different, you know, choices and, and methods. Since Dubai is such a new city, I could not think of a best place to do that because all their clients, all the people that are staying there are international. Oh, yeah. Of You've course, got... they're going to have a different concept of coffee and how they expect it. Like so... when you said before, I just want a regular coffee. And that's <laughs> going to be different for 10 yeah. different people to walk in. Yeah. So you sh- as, a, as a barista, as a barman, as a waiter, or as a, involved in the um, hospitality industry, you should have an idea of what that means for each client. At the end of the day, as a barista, your main job is customer service. Um, your main job is to make that customer happy. And that might be by making the most beautiful cappuccino they've ever had, mm-hmm. but it also by be giving them a choice of, of what they want, offering them what they want, making them happy. So our job, and I've said this when I do a lot of my trainings, what's the main job of a barista and everyone's making coffee? You know, your main job is always making customers making happy. Customer happy. Yeah. And whatever that takes, whether it's a good quality product, great service, just the smile you got on the face and your, your desire to talk to the people, um, and anything, everything we do is part of that. So mm. we choice, that's what they want. Not too much because sometimes they want, don't want to be given a 10-minute spiel on, on everything. But they, they Yeah, want. yeah. To me, a best uh, barista is when they make the latte art really fancy and beautiful. I'm just kidding. You give me the cringeworthy <laughs> face. The God, get away from that latte art. <laughs> No, oh, awesome. that's great. It's a great way to. No, get yeah, I know. And it's, oh man, it's, it's hard to do. It is hard to do. So, I definitely give okay, kudos. I made this face going uh, latte art because sometimes you you find the people who are so passionate about the latte art and they can do the most amazing stuff and they have zero understanding of coffee. Mm-hmm. Coffee is just like this coloring which they need to put milk into so they make something yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, should, it should look good, and I agree. You know, a great a great cappuccino has as a hat or a, or a rosette yeah, or something yeah. on it, but it should taste good. Yeah, and no, no, yeah. I, that should be your first. I just, yeah, I was just teasing with you. It's definitely more yeah. about the taste. Is Yeah, but the beautiful picture is always, um, right. you know, a little you know, any top-class restaurants, the plate's not just like smashed, slept on there like you're in a, in a military canteen. It looks good. And, of course, it's part of it as well. It should be part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presentation is a big factor. But, um. Before we run along too long here, uh, now I want to move into the three coffee guys. Yeah. Three coffee guys. Because you guys are doing awesome stuff. You guys are doing wonderful stuff. It's such a great idea. And um, I'm enjoying it as well, yeah. which was the first – The first rule number one was we're going to enjoy this. Yeah. That's a, that's a good rule to have. So our host to our documentary, um, my one of my first clients of Snakebite, Patrick O'Malley. <laughs> Very man, very knowledgeable, you know, introduced me to you and Ricardo in Honduras. And yep. then this was the second three Coffee Guys voyage. Is that right or am I wrong? 
That was right. We've done one in Colombia before that. Yeah, one in Colombia. That was, that was number two. Okay, awesome. So um, Patrick told me that he had this great idea. And since you guys already you know, knew each other in the coffee world, you guys were in the same, you said, AST course? Yep. Yeah, we met together yeah. on AST course. And of course, since then, we'd met in various different uh, coffee conventions around the world or or expos or trade shows. So we'd always often meet together. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're training people, you know, a lot of people ask you, you know, how do I get to go to a plantation? And Because you want to go into a plantation obviously gives you as a trainer a much better understanding of what you're talking about. Um, oh, yeah. Hands-on experience. You get to see oh, what you're learning you about. You can read the books and you can look at the pictures but nothing becomes clear until you pick your own cherry and you taste it and you see things for yourself. Yeah. But we had, like Patrick and I have been talking and there've been so many people saying, you know, we'd love to go to plantation. How do you go about it? And of course you can't just ring up and say, you know, great. Can I come and visit you? Because you know, it doesn't quite work like that. These people are working people and often they're not that easy to get hold of or find anyway. Um, but Patrick was in a position where he had, been traveling to a lot of places. He knows a lot of people, um, and he's he's always been really involved um, at the ground scene, the ground of the, where the coffee comes from. Mm-hmm. So we spoke about it, and we said, "Yeah, why don't we organize it? Let's put something together and, and take some people to a plantation." Um, but the idea was more than that because there are people who do it already. Obviously, there's a lot of places, a lot of people who, who take people to, and it's probably becoming better and bigger, bigger and bigger as well. The opportunity to have coffee uh, tourism. Yeah, but we saw that a lot of them were really high prices, and really not offering very much. Once you get there, you might get there. Then we're going to go and look at a waterfall. But if you go into a plantation, you, you want to be learning more. So the idea was um, training and origin, so people can get the opportunity to uh, to see more, to do more. But while they're in the plantation, because you can you can do a sensory course, you can do a Q graders course, but often that can be in. New York, Milan, Dubai, it doesn't matter where you are. But when you're in a plantation, you get the opportunity to, to see more than just that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to offer these courses, this, these voyages at a at a price which is doable. Because a lot of the time, the people who want to go are, are coffee lovers, you know, baristas. Mm-hmm. Um, these aren't people who are driving around in Porsches. And these are people who are working hard every day, yeah. um, often six, if not seven days a week. So trying to put a price on a huge price on that, people couldn't afford it. So we tried to do something. We, our aim now is still the same: to make sure that these are affordable prices where you can learn an origin. Yeah, and I, I gotta you know praise and give, give kudos to you guys because uh, I did a little bit of my homework and I did see these other businesses doing the same thing of not necessarily coffee voyages but visiting plantations and. Yeah. But they were not getting – they weren't offering any, like, certificates and certifications like you guys were. Yeah. And uh, so, so just kind of back up here or get into the details. On the Coffee Guys Voyage, what what is the – because I know everyone's different, but uh, the, the basic of what you guys want to give to your, your, your coffee professionals, whether they be roasters or baristas – what are the, uh, the certifications that you guys like to offer and make sure that they're learning something? Um, we started because the voyages were, well, the first one was in, like we said, in Colombia, and then we went to Honduras. Uh, so we went to Colombia twice, then Honduras. Um, so we started just by doing the SCAR certification um, at easy level, so foundation level. It's We decided it was pretty pointless trying to do barista skills in 
in uh, origin because you do that in your coffee shop. So we wanted yeah. to offer what made more sense, which of course was sensory, uh, green, um, and even taking it through to roasting. You know, Patrick's a guru of roasting. Ricardo is amazing. So we, we tapped into their experience for that. So you could actually, the idea you could pick your own coffee, sort of watch the process, and then end of the week we're obviously not roasting the same coffee, but sort of watching all the way through, um, watching watching the chain as it went through. So we started with basically green sensory and, and uh, roasting. And then the second trip, we were able to offer intermediate. Now we get into the point where I think professionals too much to do in, in location, in origin, because you really need to have the opportunity to have a lab, and often that's not available. And it seems sometimes it's, it's a bit sad to be close inside a lab anyway when you're in Honduras or Ethiopia. You, you want to be in the plantation and seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, obviously, we've got a lot of people at different levels. So you have someone come along who's a complete novice, maybe has done no courses whatsoever. And then we can also get people coming along now who are well into the coffee industry and they've been doing so for years. So we try and the fact that there's three of us means we're able to split up as well um, and offer different courses at different levels. So often a lot of the time we're running two different courses at once, maybe foundations over here and an intermediate, maybe professional over there with Patrick or what may be. Um, but now also further looking to the future, we realize there's, there's more opportunity there. Um, in fact, in our coming upcoming trip in May in Colombia, we're going to be offering Q-cupping essentials. So it's in May, the, March. So again, in May, yep, in May uh, in Colombia. May in Colombia, uh, the next one. Off the top of my head, I think that's the 16th of May to the 24th. Uh, and there will be opportunity to do Q-grading essentials, Q, sorry, Q-cupping essentials. Which is obviously a, it's a, it's not scar courses; they're a little bit different. Um, and anyone who would one day want to be a Q grader, it's it's the new, if you like, the pre Q course. So it gives people a real understanding of what a Q grader does, what's involved, and it's really about learning to cup and cup well um, over three days. Um, so that's what we offer in Colombia, and that that on its own is often worth about a thousand euros as a course. Mm-hmm. So the idea was everything's incorporated in the price. So people are getting good good education in origin, but not paying ridiculous prices for it. Okay, that's that's awesome. I want kind of want you to give me the basics of uh, what what is a Q grader. What does that entail? Why why is there such a thing as, as a Q grader in this certification to be at least considered for maybe a specialty coffee job or a specialty coffee cafe? God, I think in my own, I think Q grade has changed a bit as well. Um, right, Q grader by definition means it's someone who is qualified to um, do the cupping on coffees and give it points. So in order for something to be considered specialty coffee, it would need to be uh, cupped by three Q graders and the three of them together would be calibrated and say, wow, this coffee is fantastic. It, it uh, would have more than 80 points. Okay, um, yeah, so that's that's huge because the way you guys cup is a huge ritual. Uh, you guys make oh, it look very beautiful and very serious. And, uh, and it's nothing new. Cupping's been around for you know, quite a few times, quite a long time. In the plantations, it's it's their way of grading the quality of the coffee. You, know, you need to have a way which is consistent, um, and I even say scientific, so that it follows different rules. It's not just someone say, oh, this coffee's fantastic. Um, so it needs to be done independently. So the idea of, I would say originally the idea of a Q grader is something to really entice, encourage, and help the farmers to 
grow a bit of coffee. And something, if you look at even the world of plantations 100 years ago, you can guarantee that they were growing a different coffee than today, not only for climate, et cetera, et cetera, but also for the fact that they wouldn't have had the same understanding that a farmer can have today. You know, 100 years ago, this plant grows, cherries come out of it, we'll pick them. Whereas mm-hmm. today, the farmers, you know, if they're, if they're able to, they'll be learning agronomy, they'll be given support by the associations, the coffee associations of the country, and they can learn what the coffee plant needs in order to or produce a higher yield, which gives them a better income, or produce better flavours in their coffee, which in turn can give them better income. Um, so a Q grader was, it means that they're able to have their coffee assessed in a systematic, um, independent way, and someone can say, wow, your coffee's 80 points, 84 points, 88 points, whatever it may be. Obviously, it's still very important, and, and every good roasting company will need to have their Q grader, so it also helps them to acknowledge that the coffee they're getting is what they've originally purchased. There's a lot of different ways a Q grader can help. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all about cupping coffee and understanding everything that coffee has to offer. Um, in terms of flavors, aromas, fragrance, so uh, body acidity. So they can grade it properly. So they can grade it properly and consistent. Well, that's, that's, that's huge because uh, if I remember correctly, what makes a uh, coffee specialty is having a, a grade point of 80. Is it 80? Yeah. A grade, 80 uh, or above? 80 or above. Yeah. Um, which, is, that, um, is that quite well, difficult to do? Probably not anymore these days, but it was at first. I'd say getting easier and easier um, because, you know, it, it's like I say, it's helping the farmers to realize that if their coffee can be graded specialty, then it's worth more. So that entices them to make sure they're paying more attention. Um, I would venture to say that the whole system was born to help the farmers, to help the farmers to have that incentive to grow better coffee, be more um pay more attention to details so they can be growing better coffee and therefore earning higher wages. Um, now maybe sometimes a Q grader is more a, a status symbol. That's something you want to put on your business card as well to say you're a Q grader. And maybe an AST can be said the same thing. In fact, there's a lot of authorized car trainers out there. Um, it's it's definitely valuable and it needs to be encouraged, but it should not be devalued in such a way that it's just a status symbol. It needs to be there ready to to help the coffee industry to grow and to help the farmers to farm better coffee and earn better wages. Okay. And for that, there's a lot of, you know, I think things like cup of excellence, things like that really give that encouragement to the farmers. If they can grow an amazing coffee, whether it's a small lot, whether it's on a bigger scale um, and they bring their coffee to a cup of excellence, then you've got a, like a big meeting of Q graders and everyone's grading the coffee. But if you, if they'd win that, um, all of a sudden, they're not they're not selling their coffee for one dollar a pound. They're selling it for two, five, ten, fifty, one hundred. You know, all the all of a sudden, everything okay. changes. So it, it's encouraging those farmers at every level yeah. and at all different countries to grow better coffee. It's having a reciprocating effect. Yeah, it's just going back um, to coffee about it's about the people from origin to the final customer. Yeah, definitely. Which of course means that if they're growing better coffee, we're drinking better coffee. Mm-hmm. And so before being a Q grader, that's why you guys offer foundation level classes? Yeah. Because um, you really got to educate your palate, right? To actually taste the notes and know what's sensible for practice, and practice, all practice. that. You guys already know better than anybody else. Um, you can't educate your palate and that takes some time. Just drinking lots of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> drinking lots of coffee. There's, there's no and shortcut that, to it. Um, and every market's... There's, co- there's a market for all coffees. I mean, we talk about especially as a growing market and it's wonderful, but 
in the terms of production, it's 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 my new school. You know, the coffees we are drinking are the greater commercial coffees, and there's a market for that as well. And if there wasn't, then there'd be a big problem with the with the community of coffee because ninety I don't know, I'll throw a number out there, ninety five percent of the coffees which are being produced are not specialty. Um, yeah. And if they weren't selling those, then we really would have a problem. <laughs> so there's got to be a market for everything. That's a good way to put it, though, to keep it objective. Because now I just can, you know, I hate burnt coffee. And now that my tongue's educated, it's, I was like flabbergasted what I used to drink. I'm like, well, how could I just bear through this? <laughs> and now my go-to is, uh, is an Americano. Americano, I, I really feel like it tastes, you know, like some natural flavors that the coffee gives, whatever the bean uh, whatever you, origin it grew from. You start to notice a difference in this press that was made in Americano, where it comes from, what type of blend, how it's yeah, roasted. exactly. And really, yeah. Well, but yeah. Wine's always been the same. When when we're younger, we love to drink those sweeter wines, and mm-hmm. but as you grow older, your palate changes, and you might and, and we can we can appreciate different flavors in a glass of wine. So why should we appreciate in coffee? Yeah, I like my wine bitter and buttery. <laughs> buttery actually a lot of people when you go to um roasting companies or you go to a shop which is selling different types of coffee the easy way to relate to someone if you what type of coffee you like i don't know so they're often the easiest way to relate to is what wine do you drink you know do you like your, your deep barole or red wines or do you prefer a savion blanc or and just from there it gives you an idea of how people's palates are often structured so there's a big there's always a big comparison between the world of wine and coffee anyway mm-hmm. um in a lot of different aspects, as there is with the co- um, chocolate, cacao. Mm-hmm. So we went over foundation classes. We went over Q-Grader. AST, what's entailed in uh, AST? And what does that stand for again? SCA, Authorized Specialty Coffee Association Trainer. Yeah, the idea of the idea of being an AST means that you're authorized to have people do SCA courses and the exams, which means that those courses, you could be authorized in a different module, whether it's only for barista skills or only for brewing or only for green or sensory or roasting. Um, and of course, it's, it's, it's like an, an aspiration for people who are in the coffee industry. If you start doing the courses, um, it, you want to learn more. Uh, so you start with the foundation and you think, oh, wow, there's so much I didn't know. And there's mm-hmm. more in front of you. There's like a next level and then there's a next level. So it's, it's I think that the system itself has been fantastic that it's encouraged people to want to learn more. You come along, and what was always a classic, people come along for barista skills um, foundation, but they'd ring up going, oh, I've been a barista for 20 years. I, I think I should just go straight to professional. <laughs> come along and do foundation. Calm, calm down, cowboy. And, and every every time you can guarantee they go, oh, I didn't know that. There's just there's, there's a lot to learn. Um, it's not enough to be behind a bar for 20 years. There's, there's, there's things you can be learning. Um, right now I'm... I've been working with a, a grinder company and we're looking at a lot more on the aspects of grinding. Um, we want to put together courses on how grind, how coffees grind differently. Um, and just doing tests today, something's even astonished us. You come up with a theory of what's going to happen if, and you're wrong. Yeah. So this, like you said before, you want to learn about coffee. So do I. There's so much which is still um, to be tapped into and so much more to be learned, yeah. which is what makes coffee fascinating, I suppose. If it was so easy we wouldn't be so there wouldn't be a without our lust to learn more about dollar it. industry about it. If it was so simple, there wouldn't be all that. But the fact is, yeah, we're still learning more. There's, there's people writing papers, there's studies going on. Um, we look at the water aspect of it. We looked at the growing aspect of it. It's just, it's ever changing. Yeah. It just makes it fun and fascinating. 
Yeah, I mean, you can never get bored with it. There's always something new. Oh yeah. Uh, if you go to plantations, you're seeing things which you never thought. Um, there's a lot of people who'll be going going back to the roots now and and trying different ideas. There's a lot of experimentation, fermentation, and what what happens if I do this and what happens if I do that. Um, that's it's it's moving on. It's changing, and there's it's not. We don't expect things, we don't expect things to stay stale for a while. Well, I could continue this um, and go forever. There's there's cold brew. There's uh, the big roasters and and just you know, want to pick your brain about the industries that we've seen grown with all the conventions that you've been to. But since we're already at an hour mark, maybe we uh, could do some other podcasts later. Um, but I do want to kind of just uh, encapsulate you, Damien Burgess. Uh, how long have you been with uh, Cafe Vergnano? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. Wow, nice. 11 years. What's your title with him now? Um, now I've sort of, t- this year I've taken a step backwards. I'm working more as a independent freelance, um, okay. for them. So I'll be doing different events for them, but it also means I'm open to spend more time with three coffee guys. So the idea is that this year we will be doing more than just one trip. We've got three planned. So there's one in Colombia, then there's one in Brazil. Then towards the end of the year, we'd like to go to Asia somewhere that's not confirmed yet, but we're looking at Indonesia, India, more than likely. Okay. Um, so I'm able to spend a little more time dedicated to that and doing different freelance projects this year. So my role's changed quite a bit from now. Okay. No, yeah, that's that's great. I love that. You know, you got to stay true to yourself and uh, be free to pursue your own passions and projects. So, yeah, I just was saying that because, you know, I want to kind of encapsulate that I was speaking with Damien Burgess coffee professional, one of the uh, representatives of Cafe Vergnano and, and uh, helping facilitate these classes and really push uh, not only knowledge, but, you know, the the wisdom that's within our culture is using this medium as coffee. And there's yeah. so much being exchanged. Oh, and it's quite lovely. And so I got to thank you for that. Thank you for your time being on my podcast. And um, I was going to ask you again, uh, what's could we look forward to, but you already mentioned it with three coffee guys. So there's a Brazil trip. There's Colombia in May. Brazil in uh, August. Brazil after that. And then okay. end of the year, October, November, depending on harvesting season. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing as well, because you've also got to make sure that you're there at the right time. There's no uh-huh. point going to the plantations if there's nothing happening. So we have to make <laughs> sure that you're timing it when there is red cherries on the trees and there's, there's harvesting to be seen and proceeds, proceeds to be part of. Yeah. So that's the other thing, trying to get the timing right all the way through. Yeah, um, and yeah, the idea is that these trips are open to anyone from coffee lovers to roasting companies. Um, we've even had a few tourists come along. One guy knew nothing about coffee, but he was just interested to sort of see a different, do a different type of trip. So wow, we've had nice. all sorts of different people on, um, and because they're coming from a lot of different nations, the, the fact that. I'm New Zealand based in Italy. Ricardo is in Colombia and Patrick in America, which means we're bringing all these different people together on one trip. So in Ethiopia, we had people from Colombia, America, uh, Pakistan, Iran, um, Ireland, Romania. It's it's like an international melting pot of people (laughs) with one common passion together. So yeah. it's, it's great to bring these people together and see these friendships form. And that's that's also going to be part of everything is is comparing your ideas with other people in the same industry with completely different experiences and values. And uh, the three coffee guys are helping facilitate that. Yeah, and making sure you're so, having fun there as well. 
making sure you guys get that recognition because that is very important. This this diversity that's just interacting with each other with all the common interests of coffee. Yep. That's think, what it's uh, all about. It's going to really Our push world peace. It's going to be coffee. <laughs> it's hope he is. Awesome. If people want to reach out to you when they listen to this podcast, how can they uh, reach out to you? Freecoffeeguys.com. That's three with a number. So pretty easy. Um, and with that, you'll see we're trying to keep it with us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, website. So there's details of the of the trips we're doing. And as, as we have more information, we'll be updating all the time. So um, if you like, just get on our website. There's a little form and we'll send you information as it comes along as well. But you'll see the, the three trips, the two and a half trips because the third one isn't confirmed. Uh, but we'll have more details later. But you'll see all the updated info as it comes in. Awesome. Cool. Great. Well, thanks again for uh, sharing your perspective, Damien. I really appreciate you being on my podcast. Thanks a lot. You have a good day, mate.